What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Going Ebert. Hello. Hello. We watched A Night at the Roxbury, starring Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell, beloved comedy actors, and they were in it. They were in it. And I have a question for you. Uh huh. And I need to figure this out before we go on to anything else about this movie. Okay. I I think I I think I. I have a, I have a guess what the question is gonna be, but maybe I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I because I I think I know what you think it's gonna be, and it's not what it is. Okay. Because if you're expecting me to ask what love is, that's not what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, that's what I was expecting. That's low hanging fruit, Janos. You should know better from me. I guess we'll never find we'll out. We'll never find out. There are 25 different versions of the song in this movie, and it's still not enough. But. My question for you... It's a good song. It's a good song. My question for you is... Are Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan in this movie doing brownface? I don't know. (laughs) So... I have not considered that. (laughs) So... Okay. So, A Night at the Roxbury... When did this fucking movie come out? 1998. A Night at the Roxbury, 1998, directed by enemy of the show John Fortenberry, starring Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, um, Uh is the story of Steve and Doug Butabi, who are a a pair of brothers. And we learn about five-sixths of the way into the movie that they're grandparents who I'm presuming are the parents of their father who is played by Dan Hedaya are they have come to the United States for Steve's wedding to new college graduate Molly Shannon um to the (laughs) wedding of Will Ferrell Uh and new college graduate Molly Shannon from Yemen so presumably they are they are they are Yemeni there's a joke about uh-huh. not about a character not pronouncing the word Yemeni correctly. Yeah. Well, Will Ferrell is white. Will Ferrell is white. We can say this. Will Ferrell is white. Um, I had to look up Chris Kattan because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I felt like I remembered something, but I wasn't sure if I was getting him mixed up with like um, like Rob Schneider, who I know is like Filipino. Um, I did not know that Chris Kattan's mom is Hungarian. Yeah, and uh, half Iraqi, yeah. apparently. So, so I guess Chris Kattan gets a pass. Chris Kattan gets a pass. <laughs> so I guess the question is, is Will Ferrell doing brownface? Because there, there are some parts where they are conspicuously tan. Both of them. And like... I mean, there's a... <laughs> like... Is... Is I? Why are they Yemeni? 
why, why these characters who are sleazy yeah, they didn't need to be because in the as far as um, I know, like like as far as I understand, in the SNL bit, they were just the Roxbury guys, so they didn't have like a last name, right? Did they have like I I don't think the SNL skits like had a story or anything or characters. It was just they were just bobbing their heads. Yeah, they were just bobbing their heads a lot, and it was funny, and we liked to see them dance. They were just funny little guys, right? They were, like, I mean, Chris Kattan obviously is a funny little guy. Will Ferrell, a funny larger yeah. guy, but he, like, they just did that. Yeah, when there's, a, when there's a large guy and a, and a small guy, and they, like, do the same thing, that's funny. It's really funny, actually. <laughs> um, I have another question. Speaking, because that, yes. that, that got me thinking, because I was thinking about this movie, as I do. Um... Every day of my life. To think. Yeah, of every day of my life I think about 1998 film A Night at the Roxbury. Um, it, so this is another pair of boys who can't stop fucking up, are make everybody's mm-hmm. lives around them harder. Everybody kind of wants them to go away for various reasons. Are Steve and Doug Butabi another pair of boys in the vein of Max and Moritz. Can we blame them for, for these? <laughs> what? Root siblings? They're not as... I don't think they're as malicious as Max and Moritz. Like, there's just... I think there's the, the, the like, particular German brand of, like, nastiness <laughs> that Max and Moritz represent... <laughs> can just not be reached like, <laughs> these guys I, I i feel like there's got to be something about like american comedy can't really like put like two like malintentioned guys in front of you that's true like they have to be like in some way pathetic yeah, I was I was going to kind of come back at you with with beavis and butthead but they're they're also just kind of stupid yeah. yeah, they're just dumb guys, and we love to see them. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead is like a dumb guy and a, a lot more dumber guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they make everybody's lives I think lives that's also the idea of them. dumb and dumber. Like, I yeah. feel, I feel like that's that's a type of you know the. The 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 one the, the less dumb of the two guys who like takes charge and everything and bullies the other one yeah. because uh, he's the one person who is like dumber than him. Yeah, it's <laughs> in America you have to be just you just have to be stupid. In Germany you have to be downright evil. Yeah, yeah. If you're evil, it's hilarious. <laughs> this movie was alright. This movie like, was like fine. This was. You know the bit in Ratatouille where like the crit the, the the grumpy restaurant critic gets served a dish of ratatouille uh-huh. and it like transports him back to his childhood. Uh-huh. It's like he gets that taste and it's like and to me it was like this movie was the was the ratatouille but it's like t- transported me back to the memories of like a of like a bad Polish horror movie. Yeah. Like we're 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 scraping the barrel so hard at this point that if a movie like <laughs> yeah. has a little bit of energy to it, it's already like a godsend. Uh, yeah, like I remember when we started um, the the Yahoo Serious movies, and we were like, "Damn, 
Or no, it was even before then. It was like when we got to like yeah. in the army now and we were like, damn, I miss Insano Man Pauly Shore. And then Yahoo Sirius made us miss him even more. Yeah. This is like the first time I've seen like um some silly guys on screen and been like, okay, since since like son in law, you know? <laughs> I guess Coneheads was kind of like that, but Coneheads was just kind of a different Coneheads wasn't about silly little guys, you know? <laughs> Whereas everything Polly Shore has ever done is about a silly little guy. Yeah. Um but it was fine. And I think it's just like it's just really like coming off Stuart Saves the Family, which was like barely trying to exist as a movie. <laughs> and it's Pat, which was just pathetic. <laughs> like a pathetic attempt at filling the bare minimum of length a movie has. This one is also like barely 75 minutes. Yeah. But at least this one tries to, like, stimulate something in you. I got some laughs out of it. I got some good laughs. Yeah. There was some, there was some good physical comedy in this one. Here. Like, in a way that it, you know, it just really made me understand how bad Yahoo Serious was <laughs> at it. Because Chris Kattan nails the, look. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying this. Chris Kattan is great. He's good. <laughs> He's funny. He is funny in this movie. I'm sorry. Like easily the best part of it. Yeah. Like. Like okay. Here's Chris Kattan here's is the great. Thing. Here's how Will I Will Ferrell is Will Ferrell. Yeah. 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 Here's how I knew this movie wasn't gonna be what I thought it was going to be. And I remember you were scared. Yeah. <laughs> you were scared of this movie. <laughs> but I went to I went to uh to watch this movie on capital L legal capital M means. Um and uh I saw it had like a little thing with just like the the writing and directing and producing credits on there. And um it listed uh, I saw the name Amy Heckerling. And I was mm -hmm. like I know her for movies I really like. <laughs> She directed Clueless. If you don't know who she is, she directed Clueless. She directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, uh, and she produced this. And I was like, wait a minute. She, and my personal guilty pleasure, one of my favorite movies, Look Who's Talking, um, <laughs> with John Travolta, which we'll get to. But um, but Amy Heckerling. So I was like, okay. So, uh, and, and, and you can see Clueless all over this. It's got all of her friends in it. Um, uh, that's true. Yeah, Dan Hedaya playing the dad from Clueless in this. Um, he's playing the same character. Um, uh, uh, Amber from Clueless is in this as one of the mm -hmm. hot mean ladies. Um, <laughs> I guess Amy Heckerling's best friend Twink Kaplan has a has a very small appearance in this. She's in every single one of her movies, I think. But yeah, so I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't gonna be good, is it? This isn't gonna be, like, watchable. And it was! It was watchable! It feels like... Yeah, it feels like Lorne is, like, finally trying. Yeah. Now, I do want to read something. Um, yes. Which is on the Wikipedia page for A Night at the Roxbury. Mm-hmm. 
under the production section. It's the only thing yes. under the production I section. saw that, yeah. <laughs> this section needs expansion. This section does need expansion. Um, this is one <laughs> sentence. Let me, let me read this. In May 2019, Catan claimed in his memoir that he was pressured by producer Lorne Michaels to have sex with Amy Heckerling so she would direct the film, although she ultimately only produced rather than directed it. I'm gonna say something here. I think that's a lie. I don't think he's telling the truth <laughs> with this statement. I don't think... Now, here's the thing. Lorne Michaels has recently been involved in a lawsuit regarding to um, him and Jimmy Fallon have both been involved as like uh, facilitating uh, the sexual abuse of someone else who was like I think interning at SNL but uh, she was uh, she was underage yeah uh, and Lorne is implicated in that lawsuit great um, so, yeah, I'm not saying the man is innocent. Mm-hmm. I don't think having sex with Chris Catan was ever, like, a deciding factor on anything. Um, can I read... Can I read something else that might uh, expand on this a little bit? Okay. Um, this is on Amy Heckerling's Wikipedia page. Um, Great. It says sexual misconduct allegation. Um, okay. Uh, actor and comedian Chris Kattan claimed in his 2019 memoir, Baby Don't Hurt Me, Stories and Scars from Saturday Night Live, that he was pressured by Lauren Michaels to have sex with Heckerling so she would direct the 1998 film Night of the Roxbury, although she ultimately only produced rather than directed it. Heckerling's daughter Molly disputes his claim, saying that although Heckerling and Kattan had an affair, it was when the film was already shooting. Okay, so that... I wouldn't exactly call that sexual misconduct. I mean, I guess on a yeah. very technical level it is, but, like... So Chris Kattan... There is a mode okay, of truth. A... There is a germ of truth, I guess. At yeah. least. A germ of truth. Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I just don't know. I mean, it says... It's... Okay. Okay. I think... I think I got, uh, so there's the article, there's an AV Club article, the Wikipedia links to this. Okay. Where it says, it has the actual quote here from Chris Chris Catan. Okay. uh, It says, Paramount would only do the movie if Amy signed on as director. If I wanted to make sure the movie happened, I had to keep Amy happy. Uh, and then, uh, allegedly, Lorne Michaels said to him, Chris, I'm not saying you have to fuck her, but it wouldn't hurt. Uh, which Catan was conflicted, but ultimately the pair had a consensual intimate encounter. So, and later on he says, uh, you know, I was attracted to Amy, but at the same time afraid of the power uh, she and Lorne wielded over my career. So, this sounds like there was something going on and Lorne was like, hey, that would be, this would actually be helpful. Yeah. So not great from Lauren's side. Not great. Not necessary. Not not exactly sexual misconduct. Like that's my yeah. judgment of this. Yeah. Like, I- he just seems like a shitty guy. Exactly. Which like I don't <laughs> think th- I don't think that's news about Lauren Michaels. Um. I. This is also 
eye-opening because I have the story open. Either because he was too embarrassed, scared, or confused, Catan decided not to tell anyone about the incident, which he claims put an untenable strain on his already fraying relationship with then-girlfriend Jennifer Coolidge. Okay. When did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> also, why isn't Fallon here to do their Jennifer Coolidge impression? They're very good at it. And they're not here. This is so sad. Jennifer Coolidge is in this movie. Um, wow. Well, we're saying, yes, Jennifer Coolidge is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot. She doesn't really get to be funny in it. Yeah. Um, she plays a cop, which sucks. Yeah. She plays hot cop. <laughs> She's a hot cop. What a great like, credit that's... for your CV. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the role she's credited in, and then and at the end of the movie, yeah, no, she's credited as hottie police officer. Great, uh, because I think that's what uh, Will Ferrell calls her at the end of the movie. Great. <sighs> um, I I have I have another question for you before we please maybe get deeper into this movie. Please um, was. Eurodance like actually big in America or was this like kind of a joke? Like was was the what is the he- is I... is the headaway thing on SNL like an ironic bit or was it actually like a big song? Don't know. Um it had like it, no, I guess it had like a really really tiny like explosion in the mid 90s. Really mm. really small. It probably only lasted for like two years if if anything and there were a lot of like one hit wonders um and that was about it and then it just kind of went away like as quickly as it came because the mid 90s in uh music in the mid 90s in the united states was fucking weird um like (laughs) after after kurt cobain died and before, like, In Sync uh-huh. and the Backstreet Boys and, like, you know, that type of pop. Between those two things, it was just throwing sh- throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. So, we got a lot of weird shit. Um, we got, we had a little bit of a, you know, Eurodance had a little bit of a moment. And... Yeah, many other things had little tiny mm. moments. So was it like before or after new metal? Like, was this uh, moment like that? Like, did did like Corn and Limp Bizkit like have their like niche like in the same time frame? Like, um, they were a little bit after. They were towards the the later end of it, and then they were kind of concurrent with with the pop stuff. Um, from like probably like nineteen ninety eight to two thousand one. End of two thousand one, very beginning of two thousand two. Oh yeah, frequent, frequent, frequent issues ninety eight. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. interesting. And I remember, and you all, know, all, all this is just to say that, like here, the what is love is still like a very big song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, it. Apparently, the song like hit uh, number one in Germany across Europe. At least 13 uh, countries, it says. Uh, well, not number one, but number two in Germany, Sweden, and the UK. Um, only number 11 in the US, number 12 in Australia, 17 in Canada. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that you very much like still hear a lot here. Oh, is it? Because uh, I don't think I've ever heard what is love by Hathaway outside of the context of this sketch and movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've definitely heard it on the radio. Like, it's, uh, I, you know, I only learned about the head bobbing thing like a year ago. <laughs> like the SNL bit. But like, I did know the song. So. Uh, I was, I was looking at like some, uh, information on Hathaway because mm-hmm. it's apparently like, German, like his Trinidadian born, his Trinidadian German. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but he was raised in the U- in the U.S. He, yes, yeah. he was born in Trinidad and Tobago, raised in the U.S. where he uh, raised in Chicago, then moved to D.C. Uh, at the age of nine, mm-hmm. listening to Louis Armstrong encourage him to learn to play trumpet at the age of fourteen. <laughs> uh. He attended high school in Maryland, yep. where he was in a marching band. <laughs> this is such a crazy bio. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, to go from, like, Louis Armstrong and, like, being in a marching band yeah. to doing Eurodance. <laughs> and then, 1987, so he was, in his 20s, he moved to Germany. Yep. After, after dropping uh, out of medical school... Yes. Which is just another He enrolled in medical school but dropped out due to lack of excitement. <laughs> uh, and moved to, Col- moved to Köln, West Germany, working in bars. <laughs> um, and then in 92, he was signed uh, to a label to record, specifically to record this song, What is Love. Yep. And the- <laughs> so this, this song was written by... Um, by a guy who goes by the name of D.D. Helligan, okay. also sometimes by the name Tony Hendrick, but his real name is Dieter Lundstedt. Great. <laughs> this is my, my favorite bit, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> Europeans, but it's like specifically either like S- Swedes or Germans, <laughs> like coming up with an American-sounding name where, like, everyone who, like... You know, if you are... If you know anything about, like, real-life uh, <laughs> Americans, you know, you'll immediately clock that that's not a real name. Yeah, it's 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 a bit ten, Ted Bonzales with it. Todd Bonzales with it. Yeah. It's fucking... Yeah, oh, the, yeah, What's this, the name this... of the Swedish guy who wrote every pop song, Max something? Fucking... I don't know. His name is Dwight Rortugal, for all I know. All of them. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the fucking the guy who wrote fucking all the Britney Spears songs? Why can't I remember his name? Uh, Max Martin. Okay. Yeah, nobody's named like, that. Yeah, Max <laughs> Martin's real name is uh, Karl Martin Sandberg. <laughs> like he's not even he is a Martin, but he's not a Max. No. He's not. Well, anyway, Max, Maxes didn't exist in the United uh, States until Hellegan, a.k.a. Dieter Lundstedt. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, until Max and uh, Moritz. Yeah. Uh, 
until the Max and Moritz boost. <laughs> the Max and Moritz bump. There's some great names here. So this this guy, Dieter Lundstedt, who went by the name D.D. Halligan, and his wife, by the, who's, who goes by the name Junior, Junior Torello. Okay. The, the proud German tradition of calling things Junior for no reason. <laughs> but uh, her real name is Karen Hartmann Eisenblätter. Great. <laughs> that rocks. Um. They wrote the song, uh, <laughs> What is Love? Uh, it says they had previously produced songs for successful groups like, you know, you know, the, you know, these successful groups like Bad Boys Blue and London Beat. <laughs> <laughs> They're my faves. I hear them also every German, day. like Cologne based pop groups. Less- Trinidadian and Born, yeah, they were waiting for it. So they wrote this song and it says they were waiting for the right singer for their new song. Uh, and then they found the yeah. Mr. Hathaway. Trinidad and Born singer Nestor Hathaway was then chosen to sing it. He used to work as a producer, dancer, and choreographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producers wanted Hathaway to sing, uh, to try singing the song like Joe Cocker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he told them, I love Joe Cocker, but I'm not Joe Cocker. Uh, and then it says, he then came up with his own idea on how to sing it. And after the producers let the, the singer try it his way, What Is Love was created. Hendrik would lock himself in the studio. Uh, at Hendrik, who is, you know, the producer, a.k.a. D.D. Halligan, a.k.a. D.D. Halligan, would lock himself in the studio, and eight or nine days later, he came out with the song as we, as we know it. <laughs> so Hathaway said, I have an idea. Why don't I sing it with my own voice? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't this I sing like it the, the way I would sing it? You know that you know the moments for like, <clears throat> you know how every like music biopic is the exact exactly the same, mm-hmm. and there's always the moment in the trailer where like music, music, the music is like hyping you up, and then the music like drops out when the when the singer says something that would that will then like create their iconic <laughs> song, like their iconic idea. Yeah. In this case, why don't I? Instead of trying to sing it with Joe Cocker's voice, why don't I try to sing it with my own voice? <laughs> That's how What Is Love was born. Why don't I take off the Joe Cocker filter? Switch it from the Joe Cocker is... setting. <laughs> is this quote here? Oh my god. Okay, we'll get to that. But there is a quote here by, by Hathaway where he says, We just used ideas that were fresh at that time and tried to make something that nobody else had. <laughs> the song came really fast. I had the idea for the melodies in about 45 minutes, and the total structure of the song was done in a day and a half. Which is weird because he didn't write the song. Uh, yeah. I don't know what he's talking about here. <laughs> he's figuring out how to use his own voice since he's been <laughs> he's been in Joe Cocker mode for such a long time. They had to flip the switch back to Hathaway. But I, I, I love this fun fact here. Uh, it says the, the female vocal on the track was a stock sample released on the zero g sample compilation C- compilation cd data file 1 great <laughs> Hadaway featuring data file 1 <laughs> this is uh yeah the zero g is just like a company that like develops like samples and loops great so great stuff tremendous but yeah the, so this this movie opens with what is love and it's 
just this opening sequence is like already feels like the most energetic any of these movies have been. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like act it's like actually fun. Yeah. Like, and it's like if this movie started with anything but what is love, like somebody would have Lorne Michaels' head. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't get around I mean, it. You gotta. I wonder I I do there was a point in this where I noticed um I don't know, they had some remix of what is love playing in the background and um I started thinking, I was like, I wonder if there was a point in, you know, the production of this movie where they considered having the entire soundtrack be just various versions of what is love, because I feel like, I feel like that on paper that would have been a good idea, but then like actually yeah. trying to implement it would have been like, actually, this is <laughs> fucking annoying. So <laughs> Okay. Have you seen the... Uh, the Robert Altman movie, uh, The Long Goodbye. I've never seen a movie, Janos. <laughs> you should know this. <laughs> that movie, that movie has a great bit going on. It's like, um, it's like this uh, neo noir uh, movie. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's a Raymond Chandler adaptation, uh, and you know, Elliot Gould is the like downtrodden detective, mm-hmm. and Robert Altman had this great idea for this movie. That there's only gonna be one song <laughs> on the soundtrack titled "The Long Goodbye," which was written for the movie, mm-hmm. and it's featured in the movie like in like a dozen different genres because <laughs> it's like it plays on the radio, but then the bar pianist starts playing it in a different style, and someone else like in in some other scene it like plays in another different style. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's actually a really good bit. In, I like that. In, yeah, in this uh, Altman movie, this could have been like a, you know, the Eurodance version of that. Because <laughs> we do hear like a, a few di- different versions of it. We hear like the elevator music version of it, which is good. Yeah. Um. There's like a remix of it. I forget what all. I, I wanted to take. I wanted to to uh, kind of. Tr- I wanted to try to keep track of it, but like the thing about this movie is that like maybe about. Two thirds of the way through, I, I my attention started to drift and I couldn't pay attention very well anymore. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, it, I mean to me, like I I was like you know vibing with the first like twenty minutes. Y- yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and then I kind of like, you know, just let it happen to me. Uh huh. Like, you know, just saw it as background noise, but there was like, I mean, there's not a lot going on plot wise. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it's a classic, classic movie plot of fail sons with a uh, mean dad. <laughs> like, the classic fail son from the genre. streak of Stuart saves the saves the family, like uh-huh. another, uh, you know, shitty dad here. Yep. Um. He has a fake flower shop. Where yeah. He sells funny fake flowers. Um, and it's next to the the lamp store. Which, um, they have a daughter who is played by Molly Shannon, and the daughter just finished college, and she's played by Molly Shannon, who at this point is, like, 34 years old. No. Yep. Yeah, 34, yeah, so she's my age. I just graduated college. <laughs> um, she, she looks every bit like it. Um, and the dads of the, the Lamp and Fake Flower families want her to marry Will Ferrell, um... 
Will Ferrell Butabi. I couldn't keep track of which one was which. Um, usually I'm uh, better with this, but I couldn't. Chris Kattan was Doug. Okay. I, I would have remembered that without looking it up. Uh, Will Ferrell was Steve. Okay. I didn't remember the name Steve. Steve. Yeah. Steve and Doug. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just easier to remember them as Chris Kattan as Will Ferrell. Uh, yeah. Um, and he he's kind of... Uh, Will Ferrell is like the kind of the the Dameron. Uh He seems like kind of open to it, but Chris Kattan doesn't want him to be, so he just goes along with whatever he does. Um, and yeah, Will Ferrell has. I mean, it's it really is like that Beavis and Butthead type uh, yeah. <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, fucking Chris Kattan in the Butthead role. Uh, yeah, because um, it is like. You know, Will Ferrell is like, it just has no free will. Mm-hmm. Like that's his yeah. thing. He just like, there's a pushover. He just goes with uh, whatever happens to him. Mm-hmm. And Chris Kattan, <coughs> you know, tries to, you know, keep him from it, but also from in a self interest way, because mm-hmm. otherwise he would be left on his own. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a classic. You've seen it 10 billion times. Mm hmm. Um,. So they work at the the fake plant store or whatever. They decide that so they keep they keep trying to get into the the Roxbury, which is the big cool fancy club that everybody the hot club. Um and yes. and um uh Michael Clark Duncan won't let them. He's the bouncer. Um cuz Michael Clark Duncan was he had a disease that prevented him from saying no to a role. Um <laughs> Bless his heart. Rip. Um, but, so, whatever. They they go to the beach and they decide that tonight's the night. They're gonna get into the Roxbury. It's going to happen. They're they're manifesting it. Um, and then they're in the car later. Uh, and... This, this is where I got one of my big laughs. Uh, Will Ferrell, like, starts breaking down because he's really nervous about them trying to get into the, the Roxbury. And they're basically trying to like they're basically trying to manifest that they're that they're going to get in there. And he starts breaking down, and they're like borrowing the work van because their dad took their car and won't won't let them use it. So they're in the work van, and they have the windows rolled down, and he's crying and like <laughs> flipping his shit. And some ladies walk by, and he's like he like cr- is crying as he like compulsively catcalls this woman, <laughs> and that made me laugh. It was a good it's, Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, there's no... I don't... Th- the, th- the thing about this movie is that there's... N- I don't think there's any real, like, jokes mm-hmm. in it yeah. that are funny, but Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan's performances and physicality are funny. Yeah, they're just funny. Like, and there's some, like, genuinely, like, good laughs just, like, <coughs> out of their reactions or out of the way they deliver some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's later, I mentioned the physical comedy bit where uh, your, you know, internet broke out uh, or, like... Uh, <laughs> One of know, the many times like... my internet broke out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we complained on the Yahoo series uh, Mr. Accident episodes on, like, how much he just doesn't... He's just not the type mm-hmm. to nail physical comedy to deliver it, mm-hmm. and Chris Kattan does that. Like Chris yeah. Kattan, like 
there's a bit where he just like slips and like falls backwards mm-hmm. and it's just so funny like, <laughs> that, got, that got a huge laugh out of me he's they're just funny and will ferrell is very good at playing just like a big bumbling guy yeah. um it, it, it's it's they're just funny like what can i say they're just funny um literally they're funny. i mean will ferrell is just like one of those like yeah naturally funny guys who most of the things has been in has been dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Very true, very true. (laughs) He gets by on just, I don't know, the very nature of him is just pretty funny. I mean, this is like sad truth about American comedians (laughs) is that there's a lot of, like, really talented, like, naturally charismatic ones. Mm-hmm. But there's very few, like, good comedies ever made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's, like, a lack of writers or a lack of, like, directors who can, like, do, who who can do that. Or if it's, like, a, I think it might even be, like, a, you know, the, the things that get financed. Yeah. Right, like... It's probably a combination of all going of Going for... Yeah, going for, like, lowest common denominator stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, same for Chris Catan got, like, historically uh, the shorter end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Like, he never got to make um, or to, like, have the career uh, that uh, Will Ferrell got. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just by... Not, not even just by the quality of things, right? Because, yeah. again, like, the quality of <coughs> Will Ferrell's work is, like, spotty at best. Yeah. <laughs> but just, like, by, like, cultural, like, success, right? Like, mm-hmm. Chris Catan never, like, got to, like, be that comedy leading man, which, you know, this is kind of, like, that's, like, mainly the reason why I'm, like, really insistent here that he's, like, really great in this movie, because, like... He's. I think. I think he's the best part of this movie. Like he's funnier yeah. than Will Ferrell in this one. Yeah. So it's a shame that he didn't like get that career. Mm-hmm. Because he like I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and it's got a list of his uh his like celebrity impersonations and it also lists yeah. you know his characters and like he had funny characters. Like I'm sorry if there were funny sketches on SNL in the '90s. Like he was in. Several of them. <laughs> like, uh, like the goth show or whatever it was where he played Ezreal Abyss. That shit cracked me up when I was little. It was funny. He, um... D- you could have done a Mr. Peepers movie. You could have done Mr. Peepers' origin story. You could have sure. done Mango movie. I can't say they would have been good. I am not saying that. Do not get me wrong. Don't put words in my mouth and don't take this as me saying they should have, but you could have. Yeah, I'm just looking at his list of like celebrity impersonations that he's done and has uh he's done Andy Dick. I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> He's done David Spade. Yep. Um uh, He's done Kid Rock. <laughs> Uh, and uh, of course, Anthony Fauci. So it's, yep. uh, great. Uh, he's done. Rob- he's done. Steve Irwin, <laughs> Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's. 
current day Chris Catan like hangs out with Polly Shore. Yeah. On his like rambly podcast. Yeah. V- video cast things like that's how that's how deep his that's how low his fault. Like you know we love Polly Shore here, but yeah. <laughs> That's no good. Like yeah. you, can, you went from being on SNL to like hanging out with Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. It is. It's sad, and like, with all due respect to Polly Shore, this is sad. Um, and like looking at the things that he's doing, that he's been doing in the last like five years or so. Um. Five six years. He was on Celebrity Big Brother. He's doing a voice in the oh, Cuphead he show. <laughs> he actually is on Celebrity Big Brother like this year. Yep. Um, oh, I don't know when this goes on, but when this happens, okay. So he either was or is. Uh, yeah. Whenever in 2022. Yeah. Um. Uh, he won Best Supporting Actor for Breaking Legs, or no, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor Breaking Legs uh, in 2016 at the. Hoboken International Film Festival Awards. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one. We all know. <laughs> nominated at... <laughs> being... Being nominated at a... He also won the Bonehead Award <laughs> for Great. Best Actor for Just Crazy Enough. Great. He was... He's got a bonehead. He's got a bonehead. Man's got a bonehead. What can he say? You can't deny it. Just crazy enough. Uh, he won two Teen god. Choice Awards. Oh my god, he... Roy. Giannis. He plays... He plays twin roles in Just Crazy Enough. <laughs> he plays a psychiatrist and... Uh, and his uh, mentally ill twin... <laughs> Great. So that's gotta be. I'm sure that like treats uh, treats its topics very respectfully. Yeah, the top the the one sentence summary is a psychiatrist played by Chris Catan meets his identical twin played by Chris Catan and swaps places with him in a mental institution. Great. I I do think we we got to do like Chris Catan for a, for uh, yeah. a later season because I. I what at which point did it go? I was it was it Corky Romano? <laughs> Roy, was was, was it, it Corky Romano that sunk his career? Because he wasn't wasn't Night at the Roxbury. That was his first like feature, uh, <sighs> where he had a, where he had a had a leading role. Before that, the only thing he was in was the making of and the God spoke as movie goer number one. Well, there's one other thing. Yes, and it was Monkey Bone. Yes, that he did that after uh, Roxbury. Did it? What, yeah, he did that after Roxbury. Uh, so he did Night at the Roxbury. Night, Night at the Roxbury. Then he was in Monkey Bone, which <laughs> I assume is, from what I heard, is he's great in that one too. I haven't seen it. He Brooks he has a very it, like, physical recently, comedy type recently. of role. Yeah. So he did Monkey Bone, and then the same year he did Corky Romano, and I think that was that that was what ended his career. Because if he had done like something like successful, like after Monkey Bone, he would have been like yeah. It it was probably Corky Romano, because yeah. after because I remember Corky Romano because like I'm old enough to remember when Corky Romano came out. 
Um, I was 13. Uh, I was deep in my Limp Biscuit mm-hmm. era. Um, and I remember, I remember when Corky Romano came out. I remember when Monkey Bone came out. 2001 was the year of Chris Kattan. Um, and then, then he just disappeared. And then the next time I remember hearing anything about him was like 2010 when I was reading about bad movies and I saw that he was listed in the credits of Delgo, which... Of what? Oh, Delgo. Oh, yeah. Do you do you know about... Are you aware no, of Delgo? No, I'm just like looking at the list here. I do not okay. know about Delgo. Um, Delgo was an animated film and he played like the annoying best friend in it. And um, it's like a reputation for like one of the worst openings ever um for a film like in history we're looking at screen caps here doesn't look good (laughs) looks pretty bad it's pretty fucking ugly like i'm sorry this looks this looks like one of those like pc games Like, it looks like an educational PC game that you just, like, kind of get the CD, like, for free. Yeah, it looks like the type of PS1 game that my grandma would have bought me. Yeah. Because she doesn't know what games are and just picked something up. Um, so there was, like, there were literally, there was, like, a decade where I went, what the fuck? And I just out of nowhere remembered him. And then I saw that he had done this in 2008. And I said, ooh. And... Yeah, I think it was Corky Romano. It had to have been Corky Romano. Roy. I'm gonna send you a link here. Please. You're not prepared for this. Oh boy. Really nothing to do with the movie we're watching right now, but... <laughs> there is a bad girl, Ricky. Go. <laughs> this wiki is dedicated to the 2008 computer animated movie Delgo. Feel free to contribute. <laughs> the background is just a tiling image of the movie poster. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna decorate my walls. <laughs> yes, like that would be a good bit to just like put up one poster like 15,000 times. <laughs> Here are some helpful Dilgo references. <laughs> Thank you. I'm always looking for helpful Dilgo references. <laughs> Dilgo is a Lochni, which is an enemy of the Nochrin. This is like some Narf type shit. What the fuck is Dilgo Noir series? What is Dilgo Noir? Is this fan fiction? This is fi- book what one. The Delgo fuck? Noir. This is there's a whole. What? Okay, this is this is this is a joke. This is troll fic, I think. Yeah. yeah, this is a joke. The last one of the last sentences is, "Damn, I wanted to marry that thick boy, award-winning actor Danny DeVito." <laughs> this is troll fic. Huh? Oh my god! Is the rest of this like? Normal, okay, though? yes, it's... No. 
this it seems like this whole wiki is like uh is it but but for a troll wiki this is like a lot of effort like this is this has got to be like some like i think this is this is like a handful of like two or three like 14 year year olds who are like wouldn't it be funny if we made a wiki for delgo and they just like sat together for like an afternoon yeah and uh feel wait you know there's worse ways to pass your time i guess i mean we made the <laughs> we made the the uh uh the wensler page that's true <laughs> so Let's it does have like descriptions of all the ga- characters from Dago, which I have to believe are real. Yeah, like I have to believe that they actually watched the movie. Yeah, I would have to assume. Well, if we, I guess if we end up doing Chris Catan series eventually, we'll have to watch Dago. Yeah, um, we'll have to. It's you know he's not the main role. So I would have, like... Usually, I wouldn't consider a movie such as Delgo, but it is Delgo. Yeah, it's Delgo. Like, Delgo... Somebody's gotta talk about Delgo. I... Great. The... the... Someone... Someone went hard with a bit here making the, uh... The Delgo, the page about Delgo parentheses film. These are some helpful Delgo references. Oh, there's a script for. Yep. What's this? Oh, I can't click on the concept art, so that's great. Great. Oh, there's a flash site. Ah, goddamn. <laughs> but Flash is dead, so I can't look yeah. at the Delgo website. That's so sad. This is so tragic. We. Yeah, the only thing. The only thing that is still, like, viewable on this website is the Get More of Delgo on DVD. Don't miss all the bonus features. <laughs> Buy DVD now. I wonder if that... Oh, and it just links to the Amazon page for the DVD, so that's great. Um, Janos, there yes. is the entire Delgo script um, posted on the internet... We could recreate. We could recreate Delgo <laughs> if we felt like it. How long is this? You know what's really great about about this Delgo script? I'm 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 scrolling through it. What's great about yeah. this Delgo script is that at no point does it indicate which character is speaking at any given time. Yep. It literally just has the lines. Yeah, because this is. I think these are. This is just the subtitles. Yeah, this is just the. Like this is just the SRT. <laughs> Great. Okay, no, it says here at the top. Voila! Finally, Delgo strip script is here for all you fans of the animated movie. Uh, this part is a transcript that was painstakingly transcribed using the screenplay and/or viewings of the movie to get the dialogue. I know, I know. Great. I still need to get the cast names in there and all that jazz. So if you have any corrections, feel free to drop me a line. Think I will. At least you'll have some Delgo quotes or even a monologue <laughs> or two to annoy your coworkers within the meantime, right? Helpful Delgo quotes. 
Oh my god. <laughs> what? If you if you click on there's a there's a bit here where it says swing back on to De- Drew Scriptorama afterwards. Oh, I have swung on back to Drew Scriptorama. What is this? It's a website where he has scripts. Oh. Oh, what? This is... Oh, this is from... Okay, this is a website from 2003, it seems like. So that's why it looks like that. What the fuck? This website is impossible to navigate. Oh, hold on. Okay, no, at the bottom there's, like, things to click on. Now... There's quizzes here. Oh my god. He's got he's got anime scripts. He's got the transcript he's got from anime. He's got Berserk TV. But I can't click on it anywhere. He's got haiku. <laughs> Jenny and Oh my god, fuck yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all. You, did you click on the haiku thing? No, I gotta hold on. Show me Hang haiku. On. Uh, movie haiku. I'm gonna gonna link it to okay, you. Okay, I'm on it. Oh my god. So this is from Drew's Cryptorama, which is a website from 2003. Like, it was last active in 2003. And this is just like a film fan website. I don't know how to describe this. How would you describe this website, Roy? Like, it's very small. Um, I would describe this as something I would have found in 2002. Um, this, this feels like something, like, hidden from the ages. I feel like I should work. Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't be looking at this in 2022. It feels like this should be, like, down by this point. Like, it, it feels like something you'd need to access through the Internet Archive. Yeah, it feels like... I'm amazed this isn't hosted on, like, Angel Fire. Welcome to Jenny and Drew's Haikus, the place where ancient Japanese poetry collides head-on with movies. Is the end result a twisted, mangled wreck or a delicate lotus flower? That's for you to decide. Oh my god. Haikus which have an S on top contain spoilers. (laughs) Meaning they contain plot points that could conceivably spoil in square in, in scare quotes a movie for you. Like this is this is from a time when you had to explain what a spoiler is. Uh-huh. This There's now a su- there's now a swell subpage right here where you, yes you, can display your own movie themed haikus to the world. Does that yes. work? Oh my god, these are fan haikus. Yes. Oh, this rocks. (laughs) Oh my god. There are three separate haikus about Man on the Moon. Fuck yes. (laughs) Oh my god. I I, I still need to scroll down for that. Hang on. Man on the Moon. Three of them. Can it be Andy? No way, that Kaufman guy's dead. (laughs) 
Jim's best role ever. Great. Jim's best role ever. Yeah, that technically counts. <laughs> Scarface by Gene. Scar- Gene wrote two Scarface haikus. Three! 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 Gene wrote three Scarface haikus. Frank's hitmen failed him. We fucked up. He got away. Frank's a cockroach. In scare quotes. <laughs> Great. Oh my god. Hector was evil, did business the wrong way. Poor Angel was cut, as well also Scarface. Shakespearean love. Boy meets girl meets boy. Boy gets girl, boy gets big part. Boy is girl, oh boy. There are six haikus about Fight Club. Of course. (laughs) This is... This website rules. Um, I'm... We're not saying... I'm not... (laughs) Look. If you think this is not good audio, it's because I I am genuinely speechless. (laughs) Yeah. It's... It it really feels like we're looking at something we shouldn't be looking at. Yeah. Like, all these... Half of these haikus are, like, super problematic because it's such a 2000s-like sense of humor. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, if you go to the the splash page of this website, its last update was this year. What did they update? I don't fucking know. The... The above right-hand link is the jazzed-up yet Java-free version of Drew's script-a-rama the place you know and love for free scripts and screenplays. It is best viewed at 1024 by 768. But don't fret, it'll work at lower screen resolutions, too. I haven't had a computer that displayed in 1024 by 768 in, like, a decade. Right. Oh my god. Go to Drew's views. Go to Drew's Views Drew's immediately. Views. He has a blog. Drew's Views. I used to have many views, but they all were tragically lost in that fire at the orphanage. Like a true warrior, I am getting back on the horse and adding new views as they hit me. Uh, okay, and then there's a link here to Drew's Top 5 Oscar Travesties of the 1990s. Thank you. This this isn't written like a top five article. No. This is written like a top five article would have been written in 2002. Yeah. Wow. I need to... I want to look at these quizzes. Yeah, I gotta look at these quizzes. Because these were all from 2003, like the most recent ones, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's all the stuff below. I want to do the Uma Thurman quiz. The fill in the blank quiz from hell. Let's see if we can solve this. He has two Glengarry Glen Ross crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Finally! Okay, we we'll can do the Glen, Glengarry Glen Ross crossword puzzle just for me. <laughs> oh, good. Uma Thurman quiz circa 2003. Let's fucking go. Uma Thurman? I don't know anything about Uma Thurman. Me, me, me neither. 
Okay, number one. Even cowgirls get the blues. Uma's handy dandy talent was having a huge blank. Booby. Uma won a Golden Globe for the movie Blank. Um, Big Boobs Billy. <laughs> uh, Ms. Thurman was not got nominated, but didn't win for her role in Blank. Um. Star War. Um, four. Uma starred with the governor of California in a movie. On the set of Blank, Uma met her second hubby. Uh. Uh. Um, on the set of another movie. Uma met her second hubby. Uma's first hubby was everybody's favorite bad guy. Blank. No, I, I don't know. I feel like... You know, I, I know stuff about movies. But I don't know about... I don't know stuff about movies you uh, want to know in 2003. <laughs> Uma's first hubby was everybody's favorite bad guy, John Fortenberry. Um, blank was the move... Was... Blank was the Uma movie, famous for being the first NC-17 flick. No idea. Um. The, the one with Uma Thurman in it. In Pulp Fiction, a $5 blank was Uma's beverage of choice at Jackrabbit Slim's. You can really tell what the, like popular movies were like if you were a movie head in in the 2000s like you were just so obsessed with tarantino like <laughs> drew has one two three four dedicated haikus that haikus that he wrote like this is not the submission set uh, section but in the in the drew's haiku section he wrote four haikus on reservoir dogs <laughs> which i feel like if you have a haiku move a movies haikus section on your website you should be able to editor you should be able to select just one per movie like that should be a rule yeah if you guest submissions whatever but your own stuff come on just write it it really cheapens the effect of like a haiku such as for example toothpick vic is nuts cutting off ears ain't too nice Eddie won't see it. Now you might think that's a cool haiku, but <laughs> having the, the fact that he wrote like three more on Reservoir Dogs makes it feel less special. The is there anything else to say on Night at the Roxbury? We didn't really like. Who fucking cares about Night at the Roxbury? We found Drew Scriptorama. <laughs> they have a funny sex, and they're like, "This is crazy." Yeah, this is. Oh, I was going to talk about one bit in Night at the Roxbury. Okay. Because I, there's a when they get into this like uh that uh uh yeah. What the fuck happens? They get into the club, right? They get into the Roxbury, uh, in through Richard Grieco. Yeah, Richard Grieco is a big thing in this. Yeah, I didn't know who he was, but apparently he plays himself, so he was probably yeah. famous. Oh, yeah, he was in 21 Jump Street, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, that's Richard Grieco from 21 Jump Street. Yeah. 
Now they get into this. They get into the Roxbury through Richard Grieco somehow. I don't. Who cares? And there's this like sweeping shot of all the people, and there is just one woman fully tits out. Yeah. But it's like the camera doesn't focus on her, and she's the only one who is doing full frontal. Like, I, it's just like it's a blink and you miss it, tits. Like that's <laughs> that's so weird. Like, I didn't expect to see like full frontal like in an SNL movie. Like, yeah. Either way, just a nice surprise. I guess you can like there's like there's like a rule to like PG thirteen movies or something that you can show like one tit but not more. <laughs> like uh, otherwise it would be R rated and you can say fuck once. Yeah, they did it. They did say they're one fuck. It is funny that this movie is rated PG thirteen to me. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's just funny to me. I mean, it is this weird, like weirdly, like how do I put it? Like the the Roxbury guys, like the SNL bit, mm-hmm. and the way they expand on them here in United Roxbury by like character- creating these characters uh you know it's it's supposed to be like the club goer who is like you know going to the Eurodance clubs yeah. right the Eurodance club scene but that would be something that is i don't know what the what the drug of Eurodance is but you know they're acting like guys who are like Definitely on cocaine. Yeah, that's the fu- on... one of the yeah one of the funny jokes of them is that they're doing this with their nose. Yeah, yeah. But there's no like actual drug use in the movie because yeah. it's still like a PG thirteen movie. Like it's the still close... a family friendly SNL bit. Yeah, so the it's closest... just like these. <laughs> the closest thing <laughs> we get to drug guys. usage. Yeah, the closest thing we get to drug usage is them doing the thing with the with the whipped cream. Yeah. Like it's like this idea of like showing the da- the cl- showing a club scene of like people acting like they're on cocaine, but the only drug they like actually take is alcohol because that's yeah. the only thing they can show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like really like it, it just you know the, it, it doesn't go they don't go like as hard on like on the clubbing thing as they like. Would if this weren't like PG thirteen? Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> so it's just this weird in between. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like this subject should not be. It's not a PG thirteen subject. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's just goofy. It is. I don't know. I don't fucking know. They have sex with these two women, and uh, then they think that they're there. Oh, I actually had a laugh at this. uh, When, like, afterwards, they're like, uh, we got one number. Like, this is is another, like, Beavis and Butthead thing. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like, they finally scored. Uh, And it's like, and and the, and and the, like they, I don't know which. I think Chris Kattan has like their number on like like the 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 nightclub girl's mm-hmm. number on like a crumpled like piece of paper, mm-hmm. and then he like frames it. Yeah, <laughs> that got a laugh out of me. Like yeah. it's just so pathetic. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's pretty good. It's, it's... It is kind of funny that they're like... These hardcore club guys and they've never fucked. Yeah. Um... I don't know. The movie is just like... It's just like... It's like, yeah, it is like this idea of like, I guess this is the central like joke of them is that they're these hardcore club guys, but they're just goofy. Yeah. Like they're, they don't like actually do the hardcore. It's like the, it's the reading playboy for the articles of clubbing, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going to clubs, not for the drugs, just to bob your heads. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) so they they, then they like call them their girlfriends because Mm -hmm. uh because they had sex with them once because they thought they they're like business associates of richard draco or something Mm -hmm. i thought yeah what it was yeah they thought they thought they they were like business associates of the guy who owns the roxbury yeah yeah, yeah. played by chaz palmentary Uncredited Chaz Palminteri. Um Yeah. A guy named Benny Zadier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and they're... They pitch him their own idea of a nightclub. Uh, and, yeah, and then these women think that they're rich millionaires because they talk to Mr. Zadier. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it turns out they were wrong, and then uh, Will Ferrell d- does marry, or like decides that I guess now he is with Molly Shannon. They like um, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan have like a fight for yeah. a reason that I don't remember what it is. I, me neither. I I, yeah. I didn't remember if the fight was before that or no, if they had the that. fight. That's... Because of Molly Shannon. No, they. But they I guess f- it was before, because then, because then, that's why Will Ferrell like did uh, agree to this like relationship and and marriage because mm-hmm. he didn't have Chris Kattan to hold him back. Yeah, but then eventually Will Ferrell is like, this actually sucks, um, but he's still like, like I guess they they like reconcile at the wedding that's gonna happen. Uh, and Chris Kattan comes down with the with the boombox over his head, playing "What Is Love." Um, that that was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, and then they do the dialogue from Jerry Maguire. Yeah, and it's funny because they're brothers, but they're saying a romantic. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, a famous romantic dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh. It's literally whatever. Um, then I guess, like, the end of it, like, so so their idea that they had pitched to, to Mr. Zadir is that, like, um, is the, a club where the outside of it looks like the inside of a club. So there's, like, dancing and music and drinks and whatnot, like, as you're waiting in line to get in. And then when you get in, it looks like the outside of a club. So it looks like Fantastic. a street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so at the end of the movie, they're driving around. They're going to go do do their club boy things. And um, they 
drive by a club that is looks exactly like that, like their idea, and they're like, what? Well, what? what is this all about now? So they go in, uh, they go up to the bouncer, and um, he's like, you gotta have your name on the list, and they say, they give their names, and their names are on the list, what about that? And so they what? go in, what? What? And so they go in, and um, Mr. Zadir, like, calls them over, and he's like, hey, it's our club! Because you gave me the idea, I cut you in, I just never told you about it, whatever, for some reason, because comedy movie, who cares? Um, so they have a club now, <laughs> and then they meet the uh, the hot cop lady who had pulled them over at the very beginning of the movie, and also the- Haunted cop. Yeah, the, the credit card girl that uh, Doug keeps calling and harassing over the phone when he's at work. Um, and then I guess that's the movie. <laughs> that's movie it's it's movie that's the movie it was fine it was fine uh, it wasn't too offensive like yeah because i mean that was the main reason why but i i guess john fortenberry is like a nobody like, mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm willing to believe that jury duty wasn't like bad because of him <laughs> Jury duty he's was just yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not saying this is John Fortenberry redemption arc, but like no. the while while I wouldn't say the directing of this is like outstanding or anything, uh-huh. but like compared to like the last two yeah. movies we watched, you know, there was it was at least like entertaining. Like it was at least like something. Like yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't as. It wasn't as. Uh, how do I say it? It wasn't directed with such a like lack of like direction, I guess, as Stuart Saves the Family was, for example. It yeah. was just like like Stuart Saves the Family f- felt like a movie that didn't have a director, right? Like. Uh huh. It's like if Harold Ramis had just like left his camera there and is like, do fucking whatever with yeah. this. Yeah. Film something, and I take credit for it. I feel like Harold Harold Ramis forgot he was directing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like there was a director. Um, yeah. F- for for better or worse, it feels like somebody was directing. Um, it feels like it feels. I mean, it's very like workman's like. Yeah. Work, uh, as expected for from someone who would like later go on to direct Fred Two Night of the Living Fred. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the well they would like dip into. Yeah. Yeah. Just so weird that Cause John Fortenberry has a very short Wikipedia page. Yeah. That, but he only has directed five movies it seems and none of them were like like, I, it's just weird to have, like, someone who directed very few movies and they're all not notable. Like, you'd expect someone like this to have, like, 50 directing credits of just, like, taking whatever jobs. Yeah. Apparently, he also directed television episodes. Like, it says he also directed television shows such as Sunny with a Chance, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Everybody Loves Raymond. Great. <laughs> So he's, I guess, I guess he's the reason why, uh, why you were banned from Twitter. So, yeah. So he's still enemy of the show. <laughs> to me. 
But he's, other at, least, than he's that, at least yeah, enemy he's... of the Roy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he like you would think that this guy takes whatever directing jobs he can get, but I guess I mean, I guess he saves that for, for TV. Um <laughs> I'm on his I'm on his IMDB page. He directed Rhett and Link's buddy system for YouTube you Red. Hear... <laughs> you wanna hear that? <laughs> this is so good. I mean First of all, I, we talked about this on the Jury Duty episodes, but, like, his director photo is just so fucking funny. <laughs> I, I'm gonna link it to his Rotten Tomatoes uh, director's bio, which mm. is just... A f- it's just so good. Great. So first of all, there's this, oh like, God. sneaky director photo. <laughs> he looks like Laris Strong. <laughs> <laughs> He's the white Laris Strong. He's even doing the little rat hands. He has a one paragraph bio that you can't convince me he didn't write. Yeah. Because it says, When your first job is with Lorne Michaels Production Company, you definitely hit the ground running. That is exactly how director and producer John Fortenberry started. Right out of the gate, he was working with comedy royalty. <laughs> By the time his career was in full swing, what career? He <laughs> doesn't have a career. By the time his career was in full swing, he has collaborated on some of the edgiest and most recognizable comedy forays in television history. Oh my god. Nobody has pushed the boundaries so much as... Uh, John Fortenberry. Not a soul. Not a fucking soul. Get out of I the way. Did do a, I guess he did do a ton of TV, but it's also just like all over the place, right? Like, yeah. It has, has some garbage. He directed for Arliss. <laughs> <laughs> we all remember Arliss fondly. <laughs> This is the first time I thought of Arliss in like a decade. <laughs> I think about Arliss a surprising amount because I think I only watched like maybe two episodes when I was like eleven because my parents had the, had it on. I don't know why. I just have the word Arliss come to me a lot in in, in it's my just head. A, it's just the funniest title like the funniest way to spell it like the two dollar sign just too much like having one dollar sign in it that's fine yeah like having a title where the where one of the s is dollar sign sure (laughs) two of them two of them (laughs) okay so either either john fortenberry is lying about his age or he was 25 when he directed Jury Duty. No way. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> this says he was supposedly it's, born in 1970. This, I don't know no if I Because this, according to this, he was born on the 1st of January 1970. That's, the fa- that's a fake birthday. Yeah. That's, someone just put that in. Yeah, that's a fucking lie. What does his, what does his Wikipedia say? John 
I, I just wonder if there's like other info somewhere else, but there's no, there's no info on Wikipedia. Uh, I mean, why would there be? Yeah, I think that was just like a placeholder, just like someone put that in on, uh, on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to see, because on the, on IMDB, it actually, okay, he directed two episodes of Ireless. Okay. Um. 1997's How to Be a Good Listener and 1998's My Job is to Get Jobs. So the real artist heads know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. One of, if one of the real artless heads in the audience can tell us whether or not those two episodes had had John Fortenberry's hands all over them. If they had the stink of John Fortenberry. <laughs> hmm, smells like Fortenberry's. Like- I feel like doing an Arliss podcast would be a very funny bit. Like that's I was gonna that, say like, Sam and Jordan should do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'll do it. I don't care. I w- look. We already have this podcast, but we do. If we uh, if we get if we get sick of doing this, we could pivot to Arliss. Pivot be- to Arliss. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that somebody's career is really in decline, <laughs> is if they pivot to Arliss. <laughs> Sandra O is in this, whom I know, and then just like a bunch of people I've never heard of. In life. <laughs> Who the fuck is Michael Boatman? <laughs> Arliss. He really... I still have this John Fortenberry picture open. He really does look like Larry Strong, though. (laughs) He looks... Yeah. (laughs) Don't fight me on it. I know you're looking like you're trying to. No. He looks... He looks like halfway between Larry Strong and someone else, but I can't (laughs) remember who the someone else would be. (laughs) I think I think it's just because I have used this image on like doing the doing the animation or like doing the video on the John Fortenberry <laughs> on the jury duty episode. Yeah. So I just like looked at him so much. God. <laughs> uh, <sighs> tremendous. All right. Some of the edgiest and most recognizable comedy forays in television history, such as Arliss. Arliss. One thing that's really <laughs> funny to me is that the IMDb image for Arliss is. The DVD cover, but not like <laughs> Arliss season one or anything. It's the best of Arliss. Great. Like, just a compilation of all the good episodes. Oh my god. Great. I kind of want to watch Arliss. <laughs> we should do an Arliss stream. We should do an Arliss stream. <laughs> no one has ever said that combination of words before, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done talking about a night at the Roxbury? It seems I like we just done. we just want to talk about our list now. Yeah. A night at the a night at the Fortenberry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else? I don't think there's anything else. Um, 
At least Julia Sweeney isn't in it. Um, next week. Yeah, I mean this movie just like really just like didn't have anything like yeah particularly offensive in it. So it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this the? <laughs> I really wonder if this is like the best movie we watched for this season. Well, we like, have two I don't know more. if I'd put this above or below Coneheads. Yeah, me neither. Cuz I feel like I like, got bigger actual laughs out of this one cuz Coneheads I, I, I was just so like, eh, you know, the entire time. Yeah. This one I can I mean, point Coneheads to. was yeah. I think Coneheads watched uh, or like felt more like watching an antiquated SNL sketch. Mhm. Uh, but this was like th- this. This felt th- th- this. This felt closer to watching like again, Polly Shore movies. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I I guess that was just like I enjoyed the the experience of this more. Um, yeah. I guess this is the best one. Yeah. We, yeah. we have we, we we have a we have a few more. We have uh. We have superstar we have next week. We have two more. Yeah, we have superstar and the ladies' man. Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? Yep. Yep. I mean, so Superstar week... is probably also gonna like that's that's gonna be like another Will Ferrell Molly Shannon uh, yeah. vehicle. Um, Chris Catan did not return. <laughs> <laughs> so my prediction is that that one's gonna be like about the same level as this. Yeah, uh, I think the ladies' man might be bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm honestly a little bit worried about Superstar. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. I just I mean, Superstar does feel like Superstar looks like just one of those Will Ferrell comedies. That's true. It does like look Anchorman like Anchorman or any other one. Can't remember more. Yeah, Talladega it... Nights, you know that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, I did see. I saw both of these movies in the theater. Um, really? When they, yeah, when they were out. Because my parents had no discretion. So um, I have, like, very, very, very vague memories. Like, looking at the, the Wikipedia summaries for them, I'm remembering a lot. And I think that's why I'm kind of, like, a little bit nervous about Superstar. Because I remember not thinking it was, like, mm-hmm. super hilarious when I saw it. And I was, like, I couldn't have been older than 11 so, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm more worried about the ladies' man, because it's, it's... Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not not worried about the ladies' man. Because it's a sex comedy. Yeah. Uh, and it's about a the sex therapy expert. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential to fuck that up, I, I, I guess. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We will certainly see. Um, it's time, yeah, next Tim time Meadows, it's... who is just like someone I... I mean, oh, Tim Meadows, great. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Tim Meadows was the, was, was the boss in its path. Yeah. Great. Hey. All right. Remember, one last thing. Remember how Chris Kattan was supposed to be in the Russian Sleep Experiment movie? I'm just thinking about it. If anyone of our listeners uh, 
get hold of the Russian sleep experiment movie. Please let us. The, the one starring Chris Kattan, not the YouTube yeah. short. Yeah. Please let us know. Please. We'll do one more Nightmare in our episode. Well, yes, I will bring Marinera. I vow to you. I will bring Nightmare in Era back from the dead. So we can talk about the Soviet sleep experiment starring Chris Kattan. You can't just make a movie with Chris Kattan that is an adaptation of... That's a creepypasta adaptation and just, like, have it last forever. You can't. You can't do that to me. It looks so bad. I need to see it. You can't do that to me. You need to... You need to... bring Bring it out into the public. For me. And there's hope, because there was a... I forget what the title is, but uh, there was this movie that came out recently. It was directed by The Lord of the Dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Michael. So, I'm so bad Michael with names Flatley. recently. I feel like I'm becoming older. <laughs> yeah, um, it was directed by uh, by Michael Flatley. Uh, tremendous. And... What's it called? Written, directed, and starring Michael Flatley. Uh, oh my god. It's uh, trying to fi- figure out what it's called. Filmmaking Blackbird. And this movie had its festival premiere in 2018. And uh, I, I guess it was so badly received that it took until this year that it got a wide release in, uh, oh in Ireland. God. Wow. There's hope that this will There's happen hope. to the Soviet sleep experiment. Please, I need it. I need this so bad. If you have any love in my heart, I don't even know who I'm in who I'm pleading to. If there's any love for me floating around in the universe, <sighs> I will get to see the Soviet sleep experiment before I die. But that's another right. podcast. Next that week we're talking been... about Superstar, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have been Sicko and Ebert. Um, I'm Janos. I'm Roy. And uh, remember uh, that uh, baby don't hurt me. <laughs> 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 <laughs>